just to be able to come to this place to, to worship you in community. And so, God, we are so thankful for that today. God, as uh, we continue in worship to you this morning through the proclamation of your word, God, I pray that our hearts and our minds will be open to what your spirit wants to say to us today. God, we know that you have uh, something that you want to say to each of us, that each of us, if we really listen, will be able to walk away uh, knowing that there's some area of our life that you want to, uh, you want to move in, in us to become more like you. And so, God, I pray that our hearts and our minds will be open to that. God, if there would be things in our lives that would hinder uh, your spirit's work in us, God, we surrender those to you. We, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask that you uh, help us just to really uh, be open today to what you want to do in us. God, we thank you so much for this time of continued worship to you through, our, through the proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Once again, it is so good to see all of you here, just to be able to look out and to see your faces. You all look great today, so it's good to have you here today. Uh, I do want to take just a couple of moments, I guess of, you might say, personal privilege, uh, kind of aside from my message, just to say I want to thank all of you so much for your patience, for your flexibility in the last few months as we have been uh, making a lot of changes around here. There is a lot of exciting things that are happening uh, I was uh, just sharing with someone um, last weekend about the security system that we have installed to make our kids uh, safer, and not only our kids safer, but all of us safer. Uh, we live in a very um, dangerous world, you might say, in, in some capacities, and we, we had this uh, remodel project that we were doing, and one of the things that we uh, decided that it was time to do was just really upgrade our security system uh, so that we can worship in, in safety, and so... Uh, that's one of the exciting things. There's a lot of new classrooms that are being built. Uh, a lot of exciting things happening. And so it is, it is so good to be part of a church that understands that, that God is always doing new things among us. And I want to thank you for just your patience. Uh, I want to also want to give you something to pray about. Um, I would love for this project to be done by August, all right? Now, they say it's going to take longer than that. But uh, we're going to pray that it's going to happen by August, because here's the deal. August is a great time of the year where people sort of uh, make their way back to church from summer, you might say, for lack of a better way of putting it. That's, that's just what happens. There's vacations, people are gone, kids get back to school. And so I would love for that project to be accomplished in August. So will you pray with me that we can have a fall kickoff and our new space will be open. We're already able to use it, and there's a lot of great work that's going into it. Uh, people have given so much. Uh, I asked, uh, I just challenged us to raise $150,000. Uh, and as of right now, we've had about $60,000 pledged. Plus, I know some people are just given that haven't pledged. And so I thank you so much for that. I encourage you to, to get on board with that as well. And so thank you so much for your patience uh, with that. So um, that's that. Um, I, I love Legos. I think I've told you this before. Absolutely love Legos. Now, I, I am sort of a novice Le- Lego builder. I don't know if that's the right word to say or not, but I'm sort of a novice. Uh, I, you know, uh, this one's 192 pieces. That's about the right size for me, all right? Uh, my friend Phil down here, Phil is just a, uh, a crazy Lego builder, and I've seen in his uh, classroom, when he was in the classroom, these big Star Wars ships, you know, that are just thousands of pieces, and they were hanging up. And Phil's an expert. I'm, I'm just a novice. Uh, one of the reasons why I like Legos is that when you get done building a Lego, it is done, right? 
It is really finished. Uh, for those of you who, who may not just understand about a pastor's life, uh, my work is never done. All right? That's just the way it works. It is never done. It's not something you really complete. And uh, one of the things, uh, Monday is my Sabbath, and one of the things that I, I, I like to go outside if the weather's nice, but it is Indiana, and we've had gray skies for like, I don't know, eight months now. I have no idea how long. And uh, tomorrow looks about the same. And um, so one of the things I love to do on my Sabbath from time to time is build Legos. Uh, because it's just, it's finished, it's complete. And uh, if you go in my office, you'll see a couple of Legos in there. And so uh, Legos are fun. I love building them. And I want you just to hold that thought because we are coming back to that. Last week, we started this new series uh, on the book of Acts. It's called The Launch. It's this idea that um, after Jesus goes back to heaven, he launches the church into history. It's more than just the church. It is a movement that makes its way through history. And God launches that. And last week we specifically talked about the fact that he empowered us with his Holy Spirit. That he gave us his Holy Spirit to accomplish the mission that he wants us to accomplish. A couple of minutes ago, um, we saw a view, the video about community. And the reality is, is that we were created for community. It doesn't matter. I know some of us need a little more space than others. Some of us are more, a little more individualistic than others. But all of us, I am convinced, all of us need community at some sort because we were created in the image of a triune God. We were created in the image of God. God the Son, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so we are created to need community. And God created us in that. And there's a lot of ways that we can get community. The world is full of opportunities to, to engage in community, whether it's a, some sort of club or it's an online community. There's so many ways to engage in community. Some of those are great opportunities for community. Some of those are not so great opportunities for community. So we all long for it. And I am convinced, because we have been created in the image of a, of a triune God, because God instituted the church, I am convinced that no one should do community better than the local church. No one should engage people in this idea of community better than the local church, because as Christ followers, we are, we are at work living out the very nature of who God is among us. And so no one should do it better than us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a, a German theologian and pastor who was killed, uh, who was executed in Nazi Germany, uh, wrote a great book called Life Together. And in this book, he says, a Christian brotherhood, or community, I would put in parentheses, is not an ideal we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. So, the re- so here's the deal. Um, we did not come up with this idea of community. Even within this, within a local church, we did not come up with the idea of community. God actually created it. God instituted it. And we have the opportunity to participate in it. In other words, the idea of community has already been created into the box. What God is doing in us is he is building us Together, He is putting us together in a way that allows us to come together to form something very beautiful. When we think about the early church, we see that God was beginning to, um, to pull them together, to create something that would be uh, life transformational for them and, and, and would change the world. The book of Acts is really this 
unfolding of this church. As the church begins to come together, they begin to try to discover what it really means to live out the teachings of Jesus Christ. And and, and the book of Acts, written by Luke, um, just a little clarification, is very descriptive of how this early church uh, was coming together. I say it was descriptive because not everything in it is prescriptive. In other words, not everything that the book of Acts uh, says and does, uh, do we have to, like, we don't have to replicate everything exactly in the book of Acts. However, there are some of these overarching themes, these overarching ideas, these overarching truths that we need to really pay attention to because they help us become the community that God has called us to become. And so this is what I want to push in on today. Just as the Holy Spirit was working in them, empowering them, he had to empower a group of people. And this this early community is this group of people. And God begins to do the work in us as well. And so let's push in on a couple thoughts today, a couple ideas that I think are, are essential for us. One of the things that begins to happen is that in the early church, in these first chapters of Acts, this group, this community of believers, begins to redefine who was welcome into the community. I, I want to read a, a section of Acts chapter 2 um, that I, uh, it would just not have been nice if I made the person read it, all right? Because I'm going, there's a bunch of names in it, and I'm going to botch them, and you can laugh at me instead of laughing at Sophie, all right? So let's read, in Acts chapter 2, it says, listen, here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. So here's, here's what's happening. If you remember... Uh, everybody's gathered in Jerusalem. It's been, been the Passover. There have been a lot of stuff happening, and there's a lot of people uh, gathered in Jerusalem from all over the, the Roman Empire. And so as Peter gets up to preach, as Peter gets up to preach, what happens is that the Holy Spirit does this, this amazing work, and these people are actually hearing what Peter is saying in their own language. And so this is just an amazing thing that is taking place here. And I am convinced that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that Luke is very intentional about putting this little section in here. Because what is about to take place is the early church is going to redefine who is welcome into the community. Because in this culture, family is is very important. Your own individual family is very, very important. And and what begins to take place is these people from all over the the world, all over the world, are are about to be added to a a new type of family, a, a new type of community. Because we read, let's skip down to verse 41. It says, those who believed that Peter, what Peter had said, were baptized, and they were added to the church that day. About 3,000 of them. Verse 47, it says, All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, now granted, at this moment, it is still primarily a Jewish uh, context. 
It's still primarily Jewish people, but, but, but the early church is beginning to break down, you might say, that, that your family only is those who are blood. And the early church is beginning to expand this idea that the family or, or who is welcome into the community is anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ or, or anyone who, who is seeking Jesus Christ. And so this idea of who is welcome into the community begins to change. Um, in my family, uh, just a, a, a little bit of backstory here. Some of you know this. In my family, I... Um, my parents got married, I think about 1953, 1954. I'm not for sure. I think it's 53. And they had six uh, kids, one really wonderful kid, but, 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 but six kids. And, and I, was, I was the baby of the family, and I had four older sisters and uh, an older brother, all right? And uh, since one of my sisters is in the house this morning, I'll just say this out loud. Uh, having four older sisters is like having five moms. I just... I just want to clarify that, all right? That's exactly the way it is. So, so that's what happened. And we grew up in a, in a small little town in southern Indiana, a very close-knit community. And then here's what begins to happen. Um, two of my older sisters, uh, they went and they found boyfriends from up north. Right? We're southern Indiana, all right? Uh, outside of the county, they went and, and they, get, they got married. And it wasn't long until, well, I mean, I was already dating Amy at the time, but... Uh, I dated, I met Amy at church camp and, uh, she was from up north as well. And, um, and so we got married. And then, kids start coming along. And, um, so I had nieces and nephews. And, and one of my nieces, listen to this, actually went and married a Chicago Bears fan. What? And I have not personally grilled them, but I'm actually, um, I am thinking that in my family, we have people who vote both Democrat and Republican. Who would have thunk? You see, the family just kept expanding and we kept uh, loving people into it. And, and, and we, love, we love our entire family. And, but the family just began to expand. Listen. As, as a church, as a church, we must understand that this place does not exist just for us. That this place, whether we've been here for a hundred years or whether we've been here for two months, this place still doesn't just exist just for us. We have to redefine. We have to begin to understand that part of our goal, part of our mission is to reach those people who do not yet know Jesus and include them into the community. We have to, we have to love them in. It, it will become a diverse place. It will become a place where not everybody is going to look and think exactly like us. But this early church, this early community, they begin to redefine that. They begin to understand that, that faith, that their faith was was beyond just who they they were and they were longing for people to come to know Jesus Christ and people were added to the church daily That's good preaching Gene That's good preaching You know um I was thinking about that I was actually just Running, letting the spirit run through my mind on that. And one of the things I was struck by was this idea that um, uh, 
there, like I said earlier, there were, there were people here from all these different places, and the Holy Spirit, in this miraculous moment, uh, allows them to hear uh, the truth that Peter is preaching in their own language. And it got me thinking. It got me thinking that we are um, we live in a world where people don't always know all the religious language that you and I know. I, I've been in church all my life. I know more Christian jargon than you can than you can stick a, shake a stick at. I, I, I can say all the big fancy words, but, but we live in a culture where they, where they don't understand that. And we, we have to be careful that we just don't use that without at least some explanation, without at least walking them through that, without at least helping them understand what it is we're actually talking about. Because the world is changing and we have to be willing to, to, to speak in a language, to allow the Holy Spirit to help us speak into a language where people can hear and understand what we are saying. I was also uh, was thinking about the fact that uh, when I was a youth pastor here, we, we talked about the horseshoe a lot. This idea that, um, like we were literally talking about, when you stand together as a, as a in youth group, don't stand in a big circle. Actually open the circle up so someone new feels welcome to actually join the circle because nothing is harder than to join a circle. The horseshoe, it's open. We have, to, we have to be a church full of horseshoes. A church full of horseshoes where we are willing to invite and engage people in, into our community. To ask them to join us for lunch when, we have, when we've got eight people that we've been going to lunch with every week. To invite them to our life group, to invite them to our small group, we have to say, you know what, the church does not just exist for those of us who are here, it also exists for those who do not yet know Jesus Christ. I think the early church really, uh, I was struck by the fact, I'm, I'm convinced that through the direction of the Holy Spirit, Luke is a very intentional, that this was a community that was expanding into a very diverse place. There, there's something else I think that's important for us to, to, to wrestle with, and that is the fact that this was a community that was committed to the greater good of the community than they were to their own individualness. Now, this is very hard for us to understand in our American culture. Trust me, I love, I love being American, but we are just about as individualistic as they come. And this idea... Uh, that we would um, be more concerned about the greater good than ourselves is sometimes hard for us to, to really process. But this was a community. This was a community that really believed that um, that as a group they were trying to become more and more like Christ. That, that as a group they were working together to become all that God wanted them to be. And, and as a group, they were always. Always concerned for the greater good. Uh, just in an ancient culture thing that might be helpful to understand. Um, in many ancient cultures and, and in some places in the world today, uh, they have a thing called debtor's prison or an idea called debtor's prison. And what happens is if someone is really deep in debt, what, what they do, they, they, they put them in prison, which seems ludicrous to us. 
Because, like, well, how are they going to get a job and work and pay off the debt if they're in prison? That doesn't make a lot of sense. But what would happen in many of these cultures was, was when the family would hear or understand that someone was in prison, we're like, well, I got there. Let them stay there, right? But, but that's not the way the culture worked. The family, to defend their honor and their name, would actually all, like, pitch in and, and, and pay off the person's debt. I wonder what debts, uh, what, uh, not maybe financial debts, but what debts that others have are we willing to demonstrate grace to for the greater good of those within the community? Because we all need each other to move closer to Christ. We, we, always, we all need to encourage one another. We all need to, to demonstrate grace to people even when they mess up. We, we, as a community, sometimes we absorb the debt of people. Maybe not financial debt, but, but the relationship debt or, or whatever it is, because we are more concerned about the greater good and what God is doing in the life of us as a community. Maybe for the early church, there was no way that this... Um, this reality of, of the greater good came into focus than, it, than what it was in their spirit of generosity. Remember earlier I said that uh, Luke, when he writes the book of Acts, is somewhat descriptive, not always prescriptive. Uh, and and I'm, so I'm not prescribing that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to go out and sell our, all of our possessions and, and give to the needy because some of this they're trying to discover what God is calling them to do. But, I, but we can never... We can never get away from this idea that the early church was a generous community. Whether or not uh, we feel that it was prescriptive that we have to sell our possessions, uh, that's not what I'm pushing in on. I'm pushing in on this idea that the, the early community was a, was a generous community. And when we become so self-absorbed, in our individualism, that we do not allow ourselves to become generous, we are missing what God has called us to do. Not only were they they generous, they were sacrificially generous. Read, Read the text. They were sacrificially generous. It's the same generosity that God has, is calling us to today. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, a group of people living in community, we cannot deny or run away or ignore the idea that God has called us to be generous people. Generous in, in community, in a, in a larger community. Generous with each other. It is what God has called us to do. And not just generous, sacrificially generous. I um, came across a quote by uh, Gordon McDonald. It says, the word sacrifice is so difficult for us to accept at times. Yet that's exactly what we must do when we practice generosity. Sacrificing something of value to us for the good of another because we love them. You see, this is what differentiates generosity and giving. Giving can be done begrudgingly and devoid of love, 
But true generosity is always initiated by love. I just let us sit in that for a moment and, and ask in us, has, have we allowed God to develop in us a generous spirit? Because this is a sign of the early church. As Acts 2 unfolds, as, as it begins to unfold through the, the book of Acts, we see that God has called us to be generous. Moving on. And that is, uh, in this community, God designed for the community to grow as a community, not that they would just be more individual Christ followers. You see, um, God has not called us to, to live out our faith in isolation, but in the community. And when we live in community, when Christ followers live in community, what begins to happen is the world around us becomes revolutionized. I, I love these passages when it says, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. You can almost see the momentum begin to build in this community. The people around them are beginning to see this community formed. And the world and culture has been changed because this community has, has been, been allowing God to build them up into the community that God had called them to be. We saw the video a few moments earlier. Churches, uh, Christian institutions, art, uh, healthcare, all of these things were things that the church said, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that God has called us to do this. We're not going to allow, we're not going to um, just depend on the government to do it. We believe as followers of Jesus Christ, God has called us to actually change culture. And when the community of faith really begins to allow that to take place within their life, when they really begin to allow God to build them up into the people that God has called them to be, the world around us is changed eternally. Chuck Colson says that when the church is being the church, reflecting the great kingdom to come, it inevitably changes culture around us. And so we have the opportunity to become this group of people that deliver hope and freedom to the world through the transforming power of Jesus Christ. We have that to offer people. And when we do, the world will be changed. And my longing, my desire for us as a church is that we will understand that our message is not just a message for here, but our message is a message for the world. And when we truly allow the work of the Holy Spirit to move in us, our world will be changed. But we all play a part, right? We all play a part. Um, I told you, I, um, I love building Lego sets. I'm just a novice, but I love building Lego sets. And, and the nice thing about when you get a Lego set like this, when you dump it out, it has all the pieces for this nice monster truck in this box. Uh, all the pieces are different. Uh, this is a, one of the tires. Uh, this is a, a small little blue piece that you can't see very well from where you are, I'm sure. But all the pieces are, are, are different. Some are larger, some are smaller. There's some stickers in the box. But all of them are essential to building the monster truck. Uh, when one piece is, is missing, uh, something is just amiss. Something is wrong. Something doesn't fit together like it's supposed to. And so we all have a part to play. 
We'll, we'll not talk about it right now, but um, we, we may later in this series. But, but later, the, the early church writers will talk about the gifts, the spiritual gifts that God has given us. And, and if we are followers of Jesus Christ, God has bestowed some spiritual gift on, on, on all of us. All of us have some gift, some value to the community. And when we hold back, when we're not generous with our time, when we're not generous with our resources, when we're not generous with, with what God has given us, when we do not use the spiritual gifts that God has given us, when we hold back, part of the Lego set is missing. And what God is calling us to do is to use all of those gifts to make something beautiful. Not only to make something beautiful, but to include other people. To bring other people into the community. To redefine who the community is for. God has called all of us to do that. But we all have our part to play. So, in a few moments, you'll get up and you will walk out these doors. And on your way out, you're going to be given the opportunity to take a, a Lego. I, got th- I had uh, identical Lego sets to this one. Divided up. And they'll be at the door. And you'll have an opportunity to take a piece of Lego. Some of you will get a small piece. Some of you will get a large piece. But all the pieces work together. It would be interesting, as someone said earlier, after the first service, I should make you bring them all back and let's see if we can actually put the piece, the puzzle together, right? But everybody will be given a Lego. And if you don't use it, if you, if you do not, we talk a lot here about all hands on deck. If you don't take your symbolic piece of Lego and use it to build the community, the community is missing something because you all have value. You all have a place to p- play. You all have a part. Tomorrow, tomorrow is my Sabbath. And I will, and it's going to pretty much be gray skies, I hear. Tomorrow on my day off, my, my goal is to build this Lego set right here. The same one that you will have pieces for. Tomorrow as I build this Lego set, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you that you will all realize that you have a part, that you have a piece. That God has gifted you, he has valued you. He has included you. You have a part to play in this community. And there is nothing more beautiful than we all put our pieces together to build something great among us. That is is my prayer for this community. That we will allow God to use us, to build us up, to truly realize that we have a place and that God values you. So I hope as you take your Lego that you will be reminded of the part you play in this community. Let's stand. God, as we come to you today, we are so thankful that you have built us up into a community of followers of Jesus Christ and of those people who are still searching still longing, still trying to understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. God, I pray that you'll help us to be a church where uh, we really uh, help people who 
who maybe have never taken that step of faith to, to realize that this is a place where uh, they belong, or a place where they are welcome, that um, this is not just a place to go, but it's a place where they can belong and become. God, help us, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, to be reminded that all of us, all of us, have a part to play in the community and that we need everyone's part. God, may may we be a community that sees the world change because of uh, our willingness to just offer and deliver to them the hope and the freedom that Jesus Christ offers them, that his power has made possible. So God, may... um, May that be the case of this community. God, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with these, your people this day. In Jesus' name, amen. You are sent out.